0: Five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglach for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. And here is a, here's a, here's something that's, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because TikTok is now offering uh, a capability of, oops, a capability of uh, creating video resumes. So you get, you create a video and you talk about yourself. And um, they're testing it out. It says they're going to go after LinkedIn, but you know, there's no comparison, <clears throat> especially no comparison to talking about yourself versus a real resume. <laughs> but if you're auditioning for a video role, then I think this makes sense. One of the one of the concerns I have, I used to manage a 60-person telecenter, and uh, we'd hire telemarketers on the phone, and what I what I t- taught the managers to do was not to have the person come in right away, but rather to schedule a, an interview on the phone, and we found that our hiring got a lot better that way, because we as humans, like it or not, make judgments. They, you only get a one chance to make a first impression, and... I wanted the first impression to be within the media medium that they were going to function. So if they're going to be on the phone all day long, I want them to sound good. I want them to to be articulate in a sense of understandable. Luckily, in the Midwest, that's not a big problem. Um, I kind of wish that was more of a of an issue with uh, some of the customer support people that i that I talk to. Um, very difficult to understand, you know, probably a lot, in a lot of cases, offshore, English is a second language, but um, yeah, TikTok is banned in India, (laughs) and you know, I feel kind of slimy just downloading it, because I know that they're spying all over on me, Um, but the caution, I just want to caution you and say that not everybody that sounds great on the phone is, um, is attractive in real life. And so you might want to hire, you know, studies have shown people tend to hire the attractive person rather than the unattractive person uh, visually. So make your first impression related to the job that is going to get done. So if you're looking for a creative designer, you probably want to do, again, you could do an audio interview, but then have a... Uh, a slide presentation or something, examples of their digital design, I would say. I would say, be careful not to cloud your own judgment as as a hire uh, with the first impression, you know. Uh, and a lot of the AI tools, I've been told, uh, will go, you know, will go against old white guys with beards. Um, that you That you shouldn't put your age, you shouldn't put your gender, I've been told. And all of that, all of that says that, Even the AI uh, makes makes categorical judgments. So if you want to do that, you better be good on video um, because most of these companies are not hiring probably video spokespeople this way. Right? They're just trying it out. It's only a pilot. So I wouldn't think that LinkedIn is too worried about it. Probably not. And one of the best ways to get a good job is to have a big network network. And the best way to have a big network is not just to connect with people randomly, but to actually try to deliver value. Try to say something worth hearing, uh, or share some content, which is what we do here. Uh, this was a really good article by Arun. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to reach out to Arun and, and connect with Arun um, because it basically says here it's really good stuff. of Americans believe that the potential risks of data collection by companies outweigh the benefits. You know, so we hear about TikTok. Uh, I found a bunch of articles about how they collect your location data, they collect your other apps on your phone. Scott Adams, for a couple of months, was talking about how uh, his brother only follows him. So that, you know, the brother, one brother follows the other brother and... And all of a sudden, the brother would notice that he wasn't getting the updates. or wasn't getting the, the information from, say, Twitter, not TikTok. Scott, I don't think, is on TikTok. And he said he couldn't figure out why he would have unsubscribed to his brother. It turns out that TikTok, among... Many apps that you might download to your phone ask you for permission to access your, your, uh, your, your connections, which yeah I think you have to give it. And in doing so, what you don't realize is it, it isn't just benign. It isn't just finding out who you know that it doesn't know. It's figuring out um, who you are connected with. And in doing so, it can can make assumptions about uh, your political positions. And this is hypothetical as far as TikTok. It's very difficult to prove this kind of thing. But Scott's hypothesis is that it turns off connections it doesn't like. So if you subscribe to radical uh, terrorists, it may turn those off for you. Or if you subscribe to you know, right wing politicians, it might, uh, turn those off for you. Uh, but it's especially annoying if it turn off people that are hard to to connect with, uh, like Scott follows me and, uh, we write back and forth every now and then. And, um, and you know, I would hate to lose that just because some app somewhere meddled with my phone. So it's not that even if that isn't true, that's the kind of perception that people have about your collection of data. And the, and the really difficult part about that is that if, say, you, you bought from a, a mail order company like Cabela's or Land's End. I, I was just recently uh, looking for data on Cabela's and could I rent the Cabela's list. I worked with In Fisherman and they used to do regular drops of 500,000 pieces just to Cabela's. And then another 500000 just to Bass Pro. And so these were big lists for in-fishermen to sell uh, magazine subscriptions. And um, so Cabela's no longer even rents their list uh, unless you have a list to, to swap with them. Uh, because, you know, their list is so valuable as far as identifying fishermen or hunters that there's not much comparable you can send back, and 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 few people realize that that all the years I've been in the the list business, which is going to be 40 years in September, you always had to get p- permission to use someone's list to rent it. We call it, but it's not like just it's maybe it is. It's like renting an apartment. You gotta tell them that you can pay the rent, and you gotta you know provide. Uh, recommendations maybe i don't know you know but they can look you over well in the direct mail business we always were required to send an example of what we were going to mail to the list owner now there are ways around that you can mail uh, you can mail basically public lists um, called compiled lists coming from many many sources they typically don't do very well because they're not usually very accurate as far as who's living where. But, you know, companies keep trying to make that work and my experience is it still doesn't work as well as a as a as a, a known direct response list. But the point is that the data was never just flying around out there out, you know, okay, they bought from here and they bought from there and anybody can mail that. No, it was very controlled and very careful. And the public is not getting that message. And so this guy, oh, and then you got scandals like Cambridge Analytica. I, I'm continuously uh, amazed that people refer to this. Because my understanding was that there were only something like 400,000 Facebook people that were involved. It might have been even less. It might have been like 40,000 out of billions, you know, on Facebook. I think it's a, a more than a billion and so, first of all, it wasn't very many, and second of all, it uh, it was only people. You know, for a while, everybody was getting these notices. You know, Jane Smith had invited you to play Farm Girl with her, or whatever it is. You know, farm. There was some kind of farm thing that you played. I never played any of them. And but like the supposed TikTok story, the the Alleged TikTok story from Scott, uh, and he may be right. I'm not saying he's not um, the 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 Facebook invitation was for an app that ran on Facebook or a bunch of apps that ran on Facebook and they asked if they could have permission to you know access your friends' list and in doing so, they would then invite your friends to play with you even if you didn't want to play. That's what you thought they were doing. That's how you got invited. But they were doing far more than that. They were looking at all the ways you connected with other people, uh, much like the, the TikTok example, and deciding to profile you as far as your political interests. But the whole thing all piled up was pretty insignificant in terms of the kind of data that I play with. Wasn't that big a deal. But consumers get the message, and now we're gonna have a little trouble with that. And here's some, but here's some tips. Um, if you're if you're talking to your brand and you or even in your terms of use, you might say this service is free because you shared important information with us. And then say something about we'll be careful with it. Be transparent. Communicate ongoing with an ongoing campaign rather than just a one-time task. Or say you know we're sharing your information. Like I saw, there's a there's a partnership between Bentley and uh, some scotch company, I think, <laughs> high, high-end <laughs> uh, whiskey company. And, you know, I'm if I had a Bentley, I wouldn't mind the scotch uh, connecting with Bentley. And if I loved that scotch, I wouldn't mind that being connected to Bentley either. So anyway, I, uh, I you know, consumers aren't opposed to those kinds of associations. I don't think they are. I saw that Tums was going to have a... <laughs> Tums is partnering with a hot and spicy food company and has a new logo that you can put on foods that says Tumsworthy for spicy foods. Another good example. okay? But that's in product partnerships. But basically, your customers are in partnership with you, and you should tell them what you do. Um, I ran a website long ago, and I had my, my privacy policy I called the Golden Rule Privacy Policy. And I said, we won't share your information for anything that we wouldn't want to. We want to receive ourselves. And that's the truth. That's the way it's always been. You know, I mean, but if I'm if I'm uh, buying from Cabela's, I don't mind getting a a, a hunting magazine uh, thrown at me every now and then. You know, maybe a free sample or something because I subscribe or because I bought from Cabela's. That wouldn't bother me at all. And I think most consumers feel that way. What they don't like is you're turning off their Twitter accounts. They don't like you sharing it with political fundraisers necessarily. Uh, And, you know, and things outside of the scope that makes sense. that, That the list owner would enjoy themselves. And one more article, and I know I've gone too long, but I just wanted to touch on this one. This is in Forbes, The Annihilation of Attribution. Really, really good from Chris Toy. Again, I'm going to reach out to Chris. Basically, he said, marketing attribution as we know it is dying. And uh, and we we've, we've entrusted our lives to Google and Facebook. Not me, but a lot of digital marketers. And we are basically asked... First of all, these digital platforms relied on the same frameworks and tactics behind original direct response marketing, like direct mail. What do you know, right? The foundation was the same. Google admits that. They don't say there's anything special about it. What they don't tell you is they don't tell you who saw it. They can show you the clicks. They can show you the responsiveness. They can show you the profile of the responsiveness. But the real question is basically the differential. Who was paying attention? Who engaged with that content, with your ad, and didn't respond? That's the part that direct mail gives you. That's the part that's missing in all digital advertising, and that's the part that gives you attribution. Okay, I'm going to be on a panel with direct, with uh, the Direct Marketing Club of New York, John Sesson. and uh, he, brilliant guy, just brilliant. He's going to talk about the neuro, neuro network in your brain. And I'm going to be talking about attribution for one. And what they said, if you could ask, if you could could run one test, if you could tell brands, this is the test you should run. I said, well, first, test mail. And second, do a holdout test. And if you do it carefully, you can find out which people engaged and bought and which people engaged and didn't. And that is gold. And that's where... And that's where Chris is going in this thing. Is that Chris? Yeah, Chris. Okay. And what he says is you got to diversify your ad buy. And he mentions email, but I would say direct mail would be even a better idea. Um, How good are your analytics? You know, we've been doing this for 25 years, literally. Machine learning, analytics, building customer databases from all kinds of sources. You need your own. If you're a brand and you want to know what's going on, I think you can learn the most through mail. That's my contention. So if you want to diversify, that's the first place I would go. He doesn't mention it in this diversifying point. And have somebody that understands direct mail analytics and testing. Because you you can't test the fastest in mail, but you can test the best. And that's important. Do you have the right talent? you know and he suggests maybe getting a fractional cmo i would also say if you're going to try mail for sure make some calls and talk to some some old experts we were lamenting yesterday on our preliminary for the DM, dmcny.org that you know that the the expertise is dying it's it's retiring it's leaving and it's leaving fast and you want to get in on this you want to learn it fast you should you should do some direct mail just to learn the depth that's there that that is being ignored um And uh, if you and you need a customer database, I'm so amazed that I never get follow up messages. I buy on eBay a lot from a lot of merchants. They have access. Sometimes I'll get an email. How did you like that item? But never anything really that says, well, we have a great company and we love working with you. And here's some other stuff you might like or just anything that's promotional whatsoever. So um, build a database. Keep in touch. There's so many e-commerce companies that basically try to make make a living on one order at a time. And you probably can if you've got good margin and efficient order processing. But the the way to make money is have long-term customers that love you. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.